Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Exurgat Deus Dissipentur de Nemici Eius, et Fugiancio Deruntium a Facia Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Man, it is good to finally have some time behind the microphone. <laughs> I want to, when I start, as we begin, I should say, I want to start off with a hat tip to, to Mike at Restoring the Faith Media, who provided the inspiration for the content with a single tweet on Twitter, talking about the Lauren Southern expose that she, I'd say expose, it really wasn't that, <clears throat> there was a lot of stuff in there, um, a lot of important information. It wasn't really like an expose, expose. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of drama. She sat in front of the camera. She told her story. She showed the receipts. And that's it. But what she talked about was drastically important. And I thank God that I've only actually appeared on camera a couple of times. And that I'm not the face of Radio Free Catholic. I'm not the face of any kind of movement. I am the voice of... A lone voice calling out from across the seas in a little pirate radio podcast. Because as a voice, you can ignore me, you can listen to me. You can pay attention or you can disregard it. You can decide, hey, you know what? I'm scrolling through Spotify. I'm really looking for something more interesting. But what you can't do is you cannot connect my face to anything that I espouse as though I'm some sort of leader, as though I'm some sort of important person. I'm a guy in his apartment on a golden microphone, because I did actually spend the money for a golden microphone. <clears throat> And that's it. Talking about things from a Catholic perspective. That's it. Not even a very good Catholic perspective, because it's not like I'm a theologian. It's not like I'm a priest. I'm not a monk. 
I'm a degenerate monster who learned everything that he learned about the faith from doing it the wrong way. <clears throat> and for that, I thank God. And I thank Mike with RTF. Because getting a chance to see this kind of sets the stage for this podcast. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with the prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangel, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperet illideis supplicas deprecamur. Tuque princeps militae caelestis. Satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum. Pervegantur in mundo divina virtute. In infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima, immaculata conceptio est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I can't tell you how good it feels to be back behind the microphone with a little bit of extra time and a little bit of extra energy, finally. As I record this, and this is probably actually going to premiere on the 30th of July, so you're going to hear this about a week after I record this. As I record this, I've just finished, or just coming up on, the end of six consecutive weeks of 12-hour days. I've got one more week of 12-hour days in front of me. And so I haven't had a huge amount of time to pay attention to the news. But I have had a decent amount of time to reflect. And after watching Lauren, Southern, Lauren Southern's video, um, a truly wonderful Canadian... After watching her video, as she talks about a lot of people, and one in particular who's in Catholic media, it occurs to me why I'm really, really happy that I did not do something silly enough as to try to put my face on camera. Because the moment you become a face, the moment people can look into your eyes, the moment you are looking at the camera and you're actually giving your best show is the moment that it starts to separate from you. It's the moment that the show separates from the person. And in Catholic media, it's extraordinarily important to have a certain unity within oneself. You can't have the facade. So I have fewer time. I have fewer troubles. It's not easy by any stretch, but it would be far more difficult if I were to look into the camera and tell you about all of my foibles. It would be far more difficult when I go to actually pull something from my past to try to illustrate something that we're talking about in the present. Particularly when that thing in my past happens to be something that indicates that I'm a particular degenerate. 
it would be far more difficult for me to say these things without embellishing them in such a way that it makes me look, look like I'm being honest when I'm actually being terribly disingenuous. And when you're talking into a microphone and you're already kind of aware of that to start with, you're already fighting that. I'm already fighting that. Plus, there are, you know, some things. We can talk about sin. We can talk about how it is evil. But there are some things that you just can't talk about regarding sin because they actually open up others to sin. But where do you balance that out? How do you strike the balance when you're talking about something that is degenerate, that is wicked... You don't want it to seem enticing, and you don't want it to seem lewd or pornographic. So you kind of have to skirt over it, and it would be far easier for me to make an error in that if I knew for a fact that my face was going to be on the camera, and I was looking, you, if, I, if my face was on your screen, and I was looking into the camera, and we're making that very, very intense eye contact... That eye contact that says, I'm being extremely serious right now. I want you to connect with me on a deep and fundamental level by looking me directly in the eyes. <coughs> Do you think you'd get the right story? Do you not think that the devil would slide in there and just, you know, sprinkle just a little bit of extra ego? There's a part of me that would like to be able to actually just live my life doing this thing. I'd spend my days in prayer, spend my nights on a microphone. <clears throat> or vice versa. Something like that. I don't exactly know what a monastic schedule would look like if you're doing a podcast. Um, <clears throat> but I would like nothing more than to actually just isolate myself. In particular, from a lot of the things that go on in the world that I really, really cannot stand anymore. That make me feel as though I'm being raked across the back with knives. And, you know, becoming a full-time YouTuber, a full-time podcaster, that would obviously do it. And some of you have noticed I've been very, very, very slow to work on making it so that you can financially support me. And in part, in half of it is I'm actually far too busy to actually take the time to set it all up. That is half of it. And then there's a portion of it where I know that the moment I set it up, I'm going to start shifting my focus in that direction. And I'm probably going to be going to become a far less good person in pursuit of that. Oh yeah, and when I say far less good person, I'm not saying that I'm a good person at all. It's simply to say that the very little bit of good that I might have tucked away somewhere in the back would be gone in an instant. <clears throat> now one of the things that actually kind of caught my attention... Because I've been, I have been paying some attention, the cultural things. Like, I still listen daily to Return to Tradition and Dr. Uh, Dr. Anthony Stein's podcast. And, and I still listen regularly to K 
Kennedy Hall and actually catch the Kennedy Report on a fairly regular basis. I still watch LifeSite News. I still watch Remnant TV. I still watch The Rundown and Restoring the Faith Media. I still watch Census Fidelium. Granted, Steve puts out way too much content that I really can't squeeze everything in. <clears throat> I occasionally still tune into Taylor Marshall. I occasionally tune in across across the board to all sorts of people. <clears throat> and then I kind of take my thumb and put it on the pulse to double check what th how things are going on in the rest of the world. You know, from other than Catholic perspectives, like, um, you know, Glenn Beck or Tucker Carlson, just to see what's going on, I guess, in Normiverse. And usually during lunch, I catch Russell, Russell Brand, because I really want to see what's actually going on on the way other side of things, to see where the conversation is, to see... <clears throat> to see how someone who is a stereotypical lefty is being shifted over by the things that you just can't deny anymore. So am I unaware of the things that are going on in the news? Obviously not. I know that we're still on the brink of war with Russia. I know that we're on the brink of starvation. I know that we're on the brink of total economic collapse. I know that the entire economy is acting fibbledy in ways that I would have never dreamed possible. Because there are some things that you can sort of predict. You can predict some of the market forces here and there. I'm watching the things that the Federal Reserve are doing. I notice that they sort of, they're trying to make it look like the money machine isn't going burr. Which by the way is probably a lie. I don't know for sure, I have no proof, but I'm fairly certain that they're probably still BSing us when it comes to the money machine and just printing that money and making it rain fake dollars. Because pretending to do something severe about it is the best way to hide the fact that you're not doing anything. I know about the corpse in chief and how he's bumbling along. <laughs> I'm every day more and more impressed at what he's managed to just sort of slide on by with, with regards to his son, the laptop from hell, his connections with China, the whole gobbledygook with Russia, the fact that he just sent two of the strangest space aliens as ambassadors to the United Nations. I'm tracking all of that stuff, and I'm keeping an eye on it. And I will actually eventually give you an analysis of it because it does appear that things are moving much quicker than I thought. <clears throat> and I am going to dial back a little bit and say, well, maybe they're not going to introduce the digital currency this November, considering they've managed to put a whole bunch of other stuff in place. This podcast, I think, is, this episode, I think, is probably just going to be a conflicted message, however. Because on the one hand, faithful Catholics around the world, the ones who are truly faithful, the ones who believe the creed, the ones who believe, and when I say the creed, I don't just mean the Apostles' Creed. I mean the, the Athanasian Creed. I mean the Nicene Creed. I mean the whole, I mean believe the credo of the Catholic faith. 
We all desperately want the church to come together. We want Christ's graces to be poured out more on the earth. We desperately want God to dial this back and save us from the things that while we kind of have an idea what's coming, we really don't have an idea what's coming. We have an intellectual conception. But very few of us actually understanding truly how bad this is about to get. And even so, we just want Our Lady to come and save us. We just want things to go the other direction. We want the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. We want the triumph of the Sacred Heart. We want Christ to take over as King. And we would love for the Pope and the bishops and everybody to stand up and stand up for the faith. We're desperate for it. We want somebody to come in and say, this is definitive, this is what we have to believe, this is what we have to follow when it comes to the hierarchy. Particularly when it comes to the hierarchy. The biggest bone of contention among faithful Catholics is the SSPX versus the FSSP and the other Ecclesia Dei communities versus the actual monsters that are in the church hierarchy up to and including the Pope, or at least the man everybody believes is Pope, But I would argue that even if you don't believe that man's Pope, and you think the other one's Pope, that leads all the way up to and including the Pope, again, even if you believe that the sea is actually more so if you believe the sea is vacant, because you wish the Pope would stand up and be Pope, that the sea was no longer vacant. We just want the one banner to stand under. We just want to be led. And that's really the core of the pain of the Catholic struggle that we're going through today, is we just want to be led. We want Peter, and if not Peter, Our Lady, and if not Our Lady, then Christ to lead us. Which is truly, truly disrespectful. On a level that I think a lot of us don't really understand. It's disrespectful because in a time like this, in a time like this, we have an opportunity to return to something more akin to the judges. We do. We have an opportunity to return to something more akin to the judges. We have an opportunity to return to when it's actually, it's just God. Think about this. The devil has wasted away the human part of, the human element of the church hierarchy. He's turned them into swine, for lack of a better word. For lack of a word that's more, that's both less and more fitting. We act as though God hasn't done this on purpose, as if it as if it was not somewhere in his at, at a minimum his permissive will. But remember, his permissive will allows bad things to happen. Chastisement, punishment, pestilence, whatever. 
And we forget that simultaneous with his permissive will, there's his active will that actually seeks to get something better out of us. His active will in our lives where we go, hey, maybe I should read the catechism myself. Maybe I should teach my children what they need to know. Maybe I shouldn't lean quite so much on the shepherds. Maybe I should be a man and lead my family. Doesn't even cross anyone's mind. Doesn't even cross anyone's mind that in addition to this being a tremendous chastisement for the church, and to be sure, it is, from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, having a Peter who's lost the faith entirely, another Peter who's abandoned us, and the apostles having all fled or betrayed, or, worst of all, been, you know, kind of good on some stuff, leaving us to wonder where the heck they are on everything else. From a certain point of view, it is horrible, it's terrible, it's, it's abominable, it's, oh my goodness, we need, to rend our, we need to rend our clothes and we need to cover our heads with ashes and we need to sit on dung heaps. Because, yes, God has brought this chastisement. But what about the opportunity? What about the opportunity to actually learn the faith? What about the opportunity to actually practice the faith? What about the opportunity for men to build their families and make them holy? Dear family, we don't have the sacramental ordained graces as heads of our family. We don't have the sacramental graces as heads of our households. But it was part of God's original plan that the head of every family be the priest. Lest we forget. Adam knew his wife and had two sons, Cain and Abel. Focus on this. The story is not about Adam offering sacrifice to God. As well he would. You sort of know he would anyway. Think about this. They both know, both Cain and Abel know that they are to offer sacrifice to God. Both Cain and Abel know they themselves as men are to offer sacrifice to God. The story isn't about Adam offering the sacrifice and feeding Abel first or something. The story isn't about that. The story is about Cain and Abel both acting as priests offering sacrifice to God. Now, I could be mistaken on a whole bunch of stuff. 
But that implies to me that God originally wanted it so that every man was a priest. That every man was a priest after the pattern of the high priest. The apostles tell us we are priests, prophet, and kings after our Lord. Wouldn't this be sort of the natural next step? <clears throat> Think about it. Israel's out in the wilderness. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Israelites <clears throat> are out in the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountain. What do they do? Well, the men. What do the men do? They do the same thing the women do. They revel. What ends up happening? They get organized. They revel, by the way, not re not revel. Romeo Echo Victor Echo Lima, not Romeo Echo Bravo Echo Lima. <clears throat> and so Moses picks... 70. He separates out <clears throat> the Levites. The Levites become priests. That's pretty much their whole shtick. And then with that sort of rudimentary church sort of assembled. <clears throat> and think about it. It started out every leader, every, every head of every family. So every man, every head of the family every father, every patriarch. Started out with them. They were supposed to serve as priests in their own home. That doesn't work. God coalesces and says, okay, these guys are going to be your priests. <clears throat> that carries on. They go into they go into the land of land of milk and honey. They take it, etc. And that carries on for a while. And then God picks out particular people to defend Israel over time, and that is the time of the judges. And then, the people are like, well, that's not good enough. We want a king. Everybody else has a king. We need to have a king. God tells Samuel, what? Don't worry about it, Samuel. Give them their king. It's not you they're rejecting. It's me. <clears throat> and so Samuel gives them a king. And hilarity ensues for the next, you know, 1,500 years. <clears throat> and it's Saul, and then it's David, and then it's Solomon, and then things kind of really sort of decrepit, decrepitate and fall apart. Okay. So what happens? Many, many years later, our Lord establishes his kingdom. This day, these things have been fulfilled in your ears. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it starts with the apostles. This time around, it starts with Peter and the apostles. So you start with the Pope, and then you have the apostles. And that's where it begins. It begins immediately with a hierarchy. And it carries on quite wonderfully. 
after a fashion for 2,000 years. And we have the church hierarchy, and then we have the emperors, and then we have the kings, and then we have more emperors, and we've got doges and potentates, and etc., 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 right? <clears throat> and then the revolution, and kings go out of fashion. And then a second revolution, and now the church hierarchy goes out of fashion. The first thing established was the priesthood. The second thing established was a temporal kingdom. The first thing destroyed was the temporal kingdom. The second thing destroyed was the priesthood. Are you noticing the symmetry in history? Think about it. I may have to backtrack some. Let's clarify a bit. Okay, so Adam and Eve. Okay, cool. Cain and Abel. Okay, cool. Abram to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Israel to the 12 tribes. Into Egypt, out of Egypt. First thing established, priesthood. Why? Because the individual men couldn't do it themselves. The men couldn't lead their families as both patriarch and priest. Okay, cool. So God establishes the priesthood under Moses. Fast forward. We've got the judges. Everything's going fine. Everything's cool. Everything's groovy, right? Still have the priesthood, and then you have the judges, right? And then they need a king. So God establishes the temporal hierarchy. So now, <clears throat> started out with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, etc., etc., then Moses, to kind of bring everything together, right? Okay. Then the established priesthood. Okay, that goes well for a little while. And then they're like, no, we need a king. And so the established kingdom. Okay. Now, that carries on. The king of kings shows up in the flesh. Logos made flesh. Truth made flesh. God in the flesh. Okay, cool. to reset this thing, to kind of get everything back on keel and really go, look, I've given you all of these things and now let me teach you what they mean. And what does he start with? He establishes the new priesthood. He tells those priests, by the way, those who follow me are priest, prophet, and king. So now we have an established priesthood during the empire. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. We have an empire, yeah? Okay, cool. The empire carries along. It slowly collapses like a flan. Christendom is born. Christendom. Kings everywhere. We got kings and doges and dukes and and etc, etc, etc. Okay? So kingdoms. Revolution. Kingdoms go away. The temporal kingdom is now gone due to revolution. 18th century. The French Revolution, etc. Freemasonry. All that high speedery. Okay, cool. Fast forward. We start getting up to the Second Vatican Council. And people decide that maybe we should do something different besides the priesthood. And then the Second Vatican Council where they're like, you know, kind of stodgy and like, we're going to carry on with this, but these new ideas might be okay. And then boom, after the Vatican Council, total revolution, 
death to the priesthood. And I don't mean death as in like, we went around and killed all of the priests because they tried that time and time before and that didn't work. What they did was they morally killed the priesthood. So now, kingdom dead, priesthood dead. It's not done yet, we're getting there, we're almost there. It looks like we're actually gonna land right there. <clears throat> now, there is Catholic prophecy regarding a holy pope. There is Catholic prophecy regarding some sort of writing of the ship and things kind of go good for a while and then boom, it falls out, Antichrist comes and Christ returns and boom, that's all she wrote. Okay, we don't know exactly how long that's going to go. But we know that's how it's supposed to go. We think If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But as I look at the symmetry of history, what I see now is us quickly returning to every man, a priest, prophet, and king. Weird. Because that's exactly what's necessary today. We cannot afford to depend 
on even the great priests, the wonderful priests, like, you know, like Father Ripiger or Father Altman or any of them. I mean, they're eventually going to be martyred, but they're going to be white martyred, probably in the way of Father James Jackson of the Fraternal Society of St. Peter. <clears throat> if I had to guess, it's probably the way that's going to go. You have church militant trying to go after the Society of St. Pius X. Because, well, we'll get into that. That's actually related to what spawned off this podcast topic in the first place. But I wanted to actually draw that, okay, so we started with every man a priest, and it looks, right now, like we're going to end with every man a priest. We're not going to have the sacramental priesthood. <clears throat> because people are doing a really great job in murdering that now. But a lot of those... Here's the thing. A lot of those Catholic prophecies can be understood. If you're looking at history from this perspective, where we started with every man a priest, and then there was an established priesthood, and then there was a kingdom, and now we've destroyed the kingdom, and we've destroyed the priesthood, then every man is a priest. If you look at it from that perspective, now obviously we're cutting, you know, a whole bunch of crap out for 6,000 years, but that's, but if we start from that angle, and we're looking from that angle, <clears throat> then we may be maybe have to look at some of the some of the visionaries who made prophecies about tradition returning but in a new form in a well not a new form per se but a different form it wasn't going to look quite the same as it did before <clears throat> so what does that mean that means while, you know, the Sea of Peter does seem to be occupied, clearly from a spiritual standpoint, it's not. And it doesn't matter whether you actually go off of the one that everybody thinks is Pope or the one that some people think is Pope. The fact is, is that from a, from a spiritual standpoint, the chair is pretty empty. Physically, it may not be. Temporally, it may not be. Sacramentally. It may not be. But it does appear like the church's moral authority is gone. And what does that mean that everybody has to talk? And this is the thing. So I'm watching the rundown. I'm watching, you know, the Kennedy Report. I'm watching some of these other things. And what is the thing that everybody's talking about? Well, in the past, we didn't have to know everything about the faith. We didn't have to go and out. We didn't have to go out and become the theologian. We didn't have to become the, you know, the ecclesiological expert. We didn't have to go out and learn all of these things and know these things before like we do now because quite clearly we cannot trust any of our so-called shepherds to shepherd us in general. Nobody's going to make the argument that you can trust Blaise Supich, cardinal of the Roman faith, to be a good shepherd. Even the people who like him probably don't take any, you know, wouldn't take any spiritual advice from him. They might take some financial advice from him. They might even take some Machiavellian advice from him. But they're probably not going to take spiritual advice from him because there's no one more easily confirmed in the United States of America to be spiritually dead, except maybe the ex-Cardinal Ted McCarrick. So here we are in a day and age where you might find a good priest. There might be 
a good priest out there. But if there is a good priest out there, if there is someone who is actually prominent, is there? if there is someone who can actually be a threat, they're going to assassinate his character as best they can, like they're currently doing to Father James Jackson, Fraternal Society of St. Peter. Or, like what Church Militant is trying to do to the Society of St. Pius X by calling them a Nazi pedophile cult. Now here's the thing, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm hoping that you've been paying enough attention to Restoring the Faith, but if you haven't been paying attention to Restoring the Faith, then you might not know that Father James Jackson was arrested again. Now I say arrested again, that's not quite the best context to put it in. He was in Kansas and apparently they got him on a, on a, um, on a bail violation and they've returned him to prison. In addition to that, they've apparently revealed that he is under investigation for what they describe as quote, more of the same. <clears throat> now, I don't know how a 60 something year old man who can barely work a flip phone can traffic in internet child pornography. I don't know. That doesn't seem reasonable to me. It seems like it was a pretty open and shut case that this that this priest was a good priest and is innocent simply because he's not technologically capable of the crime. So what do they do? He's out on bail. They probably know they don't have a case. And by they, you can take your pick. It's the St. Gallen Mafia or the New World Order or the Great Reset or the Davos crime. Take your freaking pick. I don't care, okay? I'm not going to name everybody out loud. We know the Curia is corrupt in the Roman Church. I don't even understand why anybody would like, like, legit, let's be real for just a minute. <clears throat> One of the three founders of the Fraternal Society of St. Peter is now, after some 30, 40, 50 years as a priest. I don't know exactly how old he is. I just know he's crusty, okay? And somehow, now, he's turned out as being this internet mastermind who can manage to collate gigabytes and terabytes of child pornography and transport, and transport them peer-to-peer -peer around the world, across the country, whatever. If you believe that, great. More power to you, okay? I'm not even going to bother arguing the ridiculousness of something like that. But more than that, if you're under investigation, let me put it this way. I ended up under criminal investigation for sexual assault by the, by the Criminal Investigation Division of the United States Army. I'd like to point out that I was significantly more careful than I, than before about getting emotionally or physically close to anyone while I was under investigation for sexual assault. Okay? So, if you believe that a crusty old man who can't hardly work a flip phone who's under investigation and is currently being charged with trafficking in terabytes worth of the most insane, disgusting, diabolically, just blah, child pornography, is, while he's awaiting trial, sitting in Missouri 
or Kansas at his family home or wherever it is. I don't even know. I don't even know if he's actually at a family home. Whatever. And somehow, somehow, this guy who's about to go to mm, over mm, decides to do mm, while he's waiting for the trial. If you believe that, for the I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a non-zero chance this is true, and that he is guilty of tra- of of teleporting terabytes of child pornography somehow in secret over the last 30, 40, 50 years as a priest. I know he's not 50 years a priest. I think he's like 35 years as a priest. Whatever. He's in his 60s, right? He's technologically disabled. And he's trafficking in terabytes of the most heinous-looking child pornography ever. Oh, and while he is awaiting trial for said crime, He went and did said crime again. Enough that he was under investigation again. If you believe that, dear family, I don't know, you're really actually probably listening to the wrong podcast. Because, to be sure, the crime of trafficking in child pornography is rather despicable. Somebody has to produce that child pornography... In particular, some of this child pornography in question is... Well, let's just say that if they ever find the actual pornographer drawn, quartered, skinned alive, and burned at the stake, if you could somehow make all of that happen at the same time, probably still wouldn't be severe enough. But it seems terribly unlikely that this is not a setup to make sure that one of the founders of the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, one of the founders of one of the major, the three major Ecclesia Day communities, is silenced, disgraced, and disgraced in such a way that they can disgrace the entire fraternity. Like, if you don't think that people would do such a thing, particularly people who are trying to murder the traditional Latin mass, if you're not open to the possibility, then you're really listening to the wrong podcast. But that having been said, if you can't trust the Society of St. Pius X, and you can't trust the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, who is about to be decapitated in a very spiritual manner, imminently, by Blaze Thupich of Chicago, while the Pope is out there planning on heading to Canada to engage in another type of pacha ceremony. Oh. If you don't believe that this is all somehow interconnected in such a way as to make sure that the that the priesthood doesn't necessarily get the full faith and credit like we used to, like we used to as good Catholics, 
It used to be that a good Catholic gave a priest full faith and credit until such time as said priest actually did something stupid. Which was ridiculously rare. If you don't think that's actually part of the plan, and you're not actually making preparations for it, to lead your family as priest, prophet, and king, you know, like the good old days, and I'm, by the good old days, I mean Genesis, then you're losing, you're missing out on an opportunity. Because while God will provide the priests, and he will provide the sacraments, to a degree, and you may be, and you may find yourself absolutely willing to travel very, very far indeed to attend Holy Mass and go to confession and receive extreme unction and etc., etc., etc. It does not change the fact that in the original natural order, every man was a priest, every man a prophet. Every man a king. And you, my most wonderful listeners, particularly the men out there, who look at the mirror, who look maybe at a picture of St. Joseph and go, I can't do that. Or look at themselves in the mirror and say, please God, not me. Or look at a picture of the Sacred Heart as he looks right back at you in a sort of semi-quasi-severe sort of manner. Sacred heart gleaming, heart on fire, thorns, piercing flesh, holding both the orb and the book, crowned king of the universe, and he's looking at you going, it's your turn now, king. <clears throat> With him looking at you, or you looking at him, and looking at the images of the saints who have gone before and knowing full well that you can't, that you couldn't possibly reach that height, couldn't possibly. I'm too weak, etc. Well, to you, I say this. And I say it just as much to myself as I say it to you. But to you, I say this. Man up. Man up and be priest, prophet, king. Man up and learn the faith. Man up and teach your children. Man up and lead your family in the faith. Man up. Because whether the sea is vacant, whether we just have a bad pope, or whether we just have a spiritual praying pope, Whether you're Institute of Christ the King or Fraternal Society of St. Peter, whether you're a diocesan Novus Ordite or, a, or a Society of St. Pius X, there's one fact. And that fact is, is that men haven't been doing their jobs as Catholic men. We haven't been Catholic men. We haven't been prophet, priest, and king. We haven't done those things. We don't act that way. We don't sacrifice. We don't offer sacrifice. We don't offer... Do you understand that even Cain knew that he was supposed to offer sacrifice? I mean, he wasn't any good at it, and he was very, very... Oh, why didn't you accept my sacrifice? But he knew he was supposed to offer sacrifice. They weren't leaning on Adam. 
The story isn't Adam giving, offering the sacrifice. The story are his sons, Cain and Abel. We're not talking about married. We're not talking about leading a family. We're talking about Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam. We don't know exactly how long the span was before Cain and Abel both offered sacrifice to God, but both Cain and Abel knew that they were supposed to offer sacrifice to God. They did not lean on Adam. There was no Moses. Christ isn't going to be around for another 4,400 4, years. So how did they know? Except that Adam told them. They didn't walk with God. Adam walked with God. Adam walked with God, and they, Adam's sons, understood that it was their responsibility as men to offer sacrifice to God. So whether you're set of a contest, or you're a Novus Ordite, if you're a Catholic in any way, shape, or form, if you're looking at becoming a more faithful Catholic, then the fact remains, we're coming to that time when you mortal man, must gird up your loins like a mortal man and do your job. Now, all of that, while being a huge sidestep, is also still illustrating one very important thing. Because if you remember, I started talking about the video from Lauren Southern. That video, that video is about lying, cheating, backstabbing hypocrites. And it doesn't matter how much um, trust that you have in your talking heads on YouTube or your activists, be they Catholic or otherwise. The fact is, you spend enough time in this business. You get big enough. And you're going. You are going to mess it up. You are going to become every bit the dastardly, demonic bastard that you look at the other side of the aisle, whatever aisle you're sitting in, be it the other side of the aisle in the church or the other side of the aisle in politics, you're going to end up falling into being the, into the trap of becoming every bit the bastard that you can be. See, Lauren Southern mentioned a few people that I recognized. Actually, I recognized everybody, okay? Obviously, they're all really big names. But the two that stood out to me are Faith Goldie and Milo Yiannopoulos. Faith Goldie, who is purported to be Catholic, purported to be faithful Catholic, purported to be traditional Catholic, has actually appeared on the podcast with Dr. Taylor Marshall. So, you know, she's got Catholic street cred. I'm not saying you need to go in and look and find out all of these things, but I'm going to tell you that Faith Goldie and, Goldie and Milo Yiannopoulos seem to have both fallen victim to something that every single person who puts their face on a camera will eventually fall into. Mike at Restoring the Faith has been accused of this. Now, 
I don't believe the accusations, but there might be some truth to them. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't care. Everything I've seen out of Mike says he's a stand-up guy. Mike Voris of Church Militant, Molly Yiannopoulos, now as of I think he's still with Church Militant? I don't know. I don't follow closely enough, to be honest. But Church Militant is very clearly not doing the right thing. And kudos to Mike at Restoring the Faith for exposing that. Now, he himself was accused, but i got to be honest with you, the credibility of his accusers are kind of crap. Could it have happened? Yeah, sure, why not? But I've seen what happened to Brother Martin Navarro, and I've seen what Mike went through when dealing with Church Militant, and I've seen the fact that, oh, hey, by the way, actually, unsponsored plug, um, if you feel so inclined, I would recommend that you go to givesendgo.com slash defeat CMTV, if you feel so inclined, because he is actually still in that fight. All because he decided to do a fundraiser for Father James Jackson. To provide Father Jackson with the proper opportunity at legal defense, even though I don't believe in the legal system, and I don't believe that Father Jackson stands a chance because he is actually set to be crushed and his most recent return to incarceration and the circumstances under which he was returned to incarceration actually indicate to me that he's not going to get away. They're not going to let him out. They're going to obliterate them. They're going to leave nothing but a grape stain on the carpet when they're finished with him. And no, I don't think he deserves it. But he is earning his crown. I do believe he is earning his crown of martyrdom. Because as one of the main dudes to found the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, he'd be the guy with the most clout. He'd be the guy they have to take out. He's the one. And the people going after him are pretty much just like, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos. They're pretty much just like Church Militant. They're pretty much just like, well, I don't know who to believe in that situation between Tim Gordon and Taylor Marshall. I'd imagine by now they've patched at least something up. But I can also tell you that all of the people involved have suffered from having their face on television. Excuse me, from having their face on YouTube. Because whether you're Church Militant or Taylor Marshall or Mike at Restoring the Faith, YouTubers all. Doesn't matter what the production quality is of your videos, the fact is, is that, I mean, yeah, you got a website, but you're still a YouTuber. And on the one hand, I desperately want to see the clans united. But on the other hand, And this is where I would disagree with most of what Lauren Southern had to say. Initially. Her initial response. The reason why she didn't say anything. Is because if we don't actually do some purity testing 
if we're not clever as serpents and paying attention to the telltale signs, the things that may indicate, you know, maybe something's a little bit off, we're going to get deceived. Because here's the deal. How many people don't like Timothy Gordon since his falling out with Taylor Marshall? Or vice versa. How many people don't like Taylor Marshall since his falling out with Timothy Gordon? I didn't even know Faith Goldie was, you know, still prominent. In all honesty, I hadn't seen her in several years. So I hope that actually worked itself out. Because, oh yeah, she purported to be Catholic. And if she's, she's about as Catholic as Mike Voris, in all honesty, at least in conduct. And it's important that we call that out. Now, <clears throat> am I going to throw stones at people? Probably, for a little while, at least in jest. I've known people like Mike at Restoring the Faith. And I have to admit that people like uh, Church Militant are a little bit of a shock to me. See, here's the thing. And I say like Church Militant because right now, I, like I said, I don't know if Milo Yiannopoulos is still affiliated with Church Militant. I assume he is. I don't care. But if what was said about Milo is true, then it won't be too long before Milo and Church Militant actually have a falling out because we know what was said about Church Militant is true. <clears throat> and the two of them are not going to be able to coexist forever. Or maybe they will. Who knows? It's about works. The moment you try to become the center of attention, you're stepping wrong. Why am I just a voice? Because you don't want a person like me to be the center of attention. I wouldn't mind it. I'd embrace it. And eventually I'd pay for it because eventually I'm going to do something that's going to show that I really shouldn't have been the center of attention to begin with. And dear family, here's the, here's the secret. If you think I don't know that it's true of us all, I do know that it's true of us all. But I also know I was the kind of person who started my own podcast, so it's especially true of me. I desperately want to see us unite the clans. I want to see a stop to the New World Order, to the Great Reset, to this garbage that's going on nationwide and around the world. <clears throat> and if the microphone's the only weapon I can use, then I'll use it. But eventually it's not going to be. And I'll be happy to put the microphone down. 
Because in that battlefield, the rules are much more clear. I hope all this made sense. I know the theme I was trying to get through. The fact is, it's not about the heroes. You meet your hero, it's gonna be, it's gonna blow up in your face anyway. The fact is, is we, dear family, have crossed into a time when you must be the hero. You. Whatever that's gonna look like. You have to stand up for your own family. You have to teach your own children. You have to protect them. You have to work together in your community. But you, you have to stand up. Excuse me. You have to stand up and fight. Just like only you can be the one to kneel and pray. Because if you don't, you didn't really want the fight anyway. And you're not going to get the victory. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.